where I smile films presents the shot. And now here are your hosts, Matt and Jesse. Welcome, Rye Nation, to the Rye Retrospective First 100. So we put a capstone on episode 100 this weekend. We thought we'd do a little bit of a recap for everybody, and so we've picked some interesting topics. Yeah, just a little trip down memory lane to kind of encapsulate the first 100 episodes, another way to pay thanks. Think of it as a greatest tits album. Memoir <laughs> to our own podcast. Yes. How vain. X. How vain. <laughs> well, here, new bottle. This will probably carry us in through the rest of the year. This yeah. is Old Forester single barrel. We've done Old, Old Forester a few times, but I don't think we've ever done this one. This is a new one. This was uh, designed specifically for the store that was purchased. It's not Total Wine. but mm. um, Excellent. I expect good things because we always like this one. Cheers. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So to kind of start things out... You know, throughout the the episodes, Matt and I periodically go on rants of <laughs> frustration, of excitement, of hilarity, and we're going to kind of just start things out with a compilation of sorts of the best rants. So Matt, up first, taking it back to episode number three from Glass. Jesse, the movie made 40, almost $41 million this three-day weekend, and that's not even to bring in the totals from what happened on MLK. I imagine people went to the theater that day too. So make it for 20. It brings home 41. There's discussions right now going on at Universal Mm. about what's next. And you know what? I I know you're shaking your head. I I hope not. My my soul is shaking its head too. (laughs) But it's going to, if it happens, you know who's going to have those tickets on opening night? Yeah, us. Oh, guilty. My soul is shaking its head. <laughs> yeah, I think we're, it was part of the frustration of looking forward to that for so long, and then it was just kind of a mixed bag at the end of the day. Oh. Um, <laughs> have you watched class since? Yeah. You have? I have. Okay. Actually, a few times we did an assignment in class, not in my film class, actually an economics class about ROI, okay. and uh, we used that. Any better? No, it, it didn't get any better. It got actually more disappointing. Uh, yeah, yeah, there wasn't yeah. even the reveal, right? The first time through. Sure. Like, oh, I didn't, I guess, see it coming. Mm-hmm. The final nail in that coffin is drowning David Dunn out. In the puddle of water. That's like about as, that's about as much liquid in that as these shots ah, we have right now. Man. Yeah. What an unjust way for him to go. Did that movie piss you off as much as it did me? No, I guess I was, I was like... Your soul wasn't shaking its head? No, no. Not as much as it was for you the following week with Serenity. Oh, no. We get the moment where Matthew McConaughey and his son, so the Baker and Patrick uh, reuniting is going to occur. It takes place on the phone. Mm -hmm. Son calls dad in video game land, and they have this discussion. It should be a really heartfelt easy like as easy as like whatever animal movie is in production make sure you kill the animal to make the audience cry like it is that easy and somehow that's also screwed up because matthew mcgonaghy as frank i'm sorry as baker says nothing of significance to his son other than nobody knows what's going on and you can come into the video game with me anytime you want son and this is another thing that i don't understand and we'll go fishing okay but wait so there's clearly a consistency with his ability to fish, but then this is also what I don't understand. Yeah. The son then rewrites the program to destroy the world of Plymouth Island that Matthew or that the Baker has existed in mm-hmm. so that he can rebuild it 
as the exact same island mm-hmm. so that they can go fishing in the exact same water yeah. on the exact same boat. Mm-hmm. What in the almighty hell yeah. is going on? Yeah, yeah. I literally looked at my wife and just said, what, what are we doing? Yeah. It is such a stupid story moment. Fury. That guy's pissed. Fury. <laughs> what a terrible film. That sounds awful. Yeah. I, I tell people to check it out because my description can't do it justice. It needs to be seen to be believed, and I believe it is streaming on Amazon Prime right now. <laughs> check it out, and you will know all that it encapsulates. But Matt, when you came in here uh, today, you said, "Hey, have you listened to the Pet Cemetery episode recently? Like we tore that one a new one. Oh wow! And yet here we go. Oh wow! Then um, it comes back, and it comes back at Ellie's birthday party, yep. and Ellie's not having a great time. And this was because she misses <laughs> the cat. She doesn't like anyway. <laughs> Listen, this was absolutely hilarious. This is why I love watching movies with you in the theater because. Lewis gives Ellie a present, like, oh, don't worry, like, like I'm sure church is okay. And he's like, here, this, I hope you have a good birthday, Ellie. <laughs> this stuffed animal. <laughs> this cat. With wings. Little girl with wings. <laughs> and when you squeeze it, it goes, yeah. <laughs> and you turn to me, you're like, wow, that's not creepy. <laughs> Literally, the word, I know you're blue. But you're going to be really blue now. Here's this demonic hell spawned stuffed animal that's an angel that meows because that won't make you think of church. Yeah, I don't know who decided that. That's that. Hey, you know what? That, I think I've come to it. That was botched. The movie Pet Cemetery <laughs> is a statement about natural selection, sure, and the sure. and Mother Nature ridding the world of those that are not fit. Because this guy. And I'm going to get to this like, with the gauge part later in the film. Yeah. Is quite frankly mm-hmm. the worst dad yeah. that's ever been. <laughs> <laughs> I love your sure right in there. So just steady. sneak it in. So there. steady. <clears throat> yeah, that was a pretty bad movie now that I'm kind of, it's all coming back to me. Yeah, I was listening to that earlier today, listening to some prior sound. And that one was one that I wanted to put on too. And that was easy to rant on that, wasn't it? Yeah. Stephen King didn't quite get a good shake in the first 100. There was some good, like Carrie was like, again, yeah. it's the De Palma effect probably, mm. but pretty hard on the Shining, It, especially It Chapter 2. So yeah, maybe we just got to kind of do a 180 and come back to that with some better movies, I guess. <laughs> I guess the good news is, is you, I think you tend to like him more than me. Sure. I, I like his stuff. I just, not on screen. <laughs> I think we just got to do Salem's Lot. Oh yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, we got to do that one. Uh, Matt, uh, we had, haven't done this a lot recently, probably because in the times that we did do it, it was so uncomfortable for us. We were like, we can't go over that line anymore. Oh, this one. So here's just a little taste of when it gets a little heated here in the studio. As we told the people that are going to hear this podcast, we yeah. have very different takes on this film. Yeah. I find one recognizable, likable point in this, and that's okay. the squirrel versus the rat, whereas you're at a much different place. I think this is one of the greatest opening sequences in all of film. I'll just, oh, you've got to be kidding I'll just, me. I'll just say that right now. No, of all of film. In all, not one of. It's not the best, but one of. What is one? Like, we talking top 25 here? Yeah, sure. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Man, really? It's something you certainly don't forget. As much as you hate it, you haven't forgotten it. Like well, because I just watched it last night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was Inglorious Bastards, the opening. <laughs> a little bit there. <laughs> that was a tough, tough show. Yeah. It's hard. It's like, you know, you know, Matt and I are real good friends. And I was like, yeah, I don't want this like podcast to just like make us come to blows across the table here. But like we, we, we had a good kind of moment after that. Like, 
look, we can kind of do that and kind of go back and forth, but let's like not like take it like too far. <laughs> I think a lot of people that listened really liked that episode, though. They did. I don't know. There's sick people out there is what I got to say for that. Yeah, for everybody, we made a deal that we weren't going to do that anymore. We had agreed to disagree, but not like that. Yeah. <laughs> and and But truthfully, we haven't really had one like that since then. Yeah, not since then, yeah. Excellent. Well, Matt, in, in, in times past, you said that you had never heard me in such a fury oh. than I was in this episode. This is Terminator Dark Fate. Oh, man, this one's bad. Is two bullet holes in there after 30 minutes to start Nothing. all over again. Yeah, to start with a new plan. In a plane that's a helicopter, which I'm pretty sure is a ripoff from T2, by the way. Also. Yeah, it is T2. Right. Yeah, and so we're in the plane. It's crashing now. So we got this whole crashing bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> crashing to the ground on this Humvee to crash. I don't even know where the hell we're at. Are we, just, are we in Vegas now? Is this the Hoover Dam? I don't even know. Texas, man. It's just Texas. Okay, Texas has all these dams, apparently. Yeah. We just crash into this dam to have more damn action to, to, to propel this damn plot. And we've got the Terminator fighting the Rev-9 underwater, and you can't even see what's going on, but it's it's bullshit. And then they're hanging from the side of the dam to fall into the water, and it's just bullshit. And then, oh, my God, Matt, the creme de la creme line. So they've kept the Rev-9 at bay. Grace is dying because she needs, like, carbs or medicine to survive if she exerts herself too much. Carbs. Yeah, carbs. I'm non-intermittent fasting and keto-friendly. You can't intermittent fast if you're going to be an augmented human. Bullshit, not physically or fitness woke. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had the line where, like, my power cell, I'm an EMP. That's not the line, but it's essentially what she says. So I'm like, oh, my God, how convenient that... <laughs> Who you are, you're you're the walking weapon. I don't know why you didn't speak up earlier when you were talking about this. Your role essentially has no purpose other than to protect. So why would you not do this? We should have done this in the first scene. <laughs> we should have done this in the factory, like right away. Mm-hmm. Shove that thing in that Rev-9's mouth and beat 20-minute movie. <laughs> Which would have been a nice out. Terminator Dark Fate was really bad. <clears throat> but as I said a little bit later in that episode... It's not the worst Terminator movie, which is shocking the state of that franchise. <laughs> so did you think a lot of that movie was bullshit? Yes. <laughs> I remember doing that now. I haven't listened to that one in a long time. Do you? Yeah, that, that's a good one. I don't know if I want to go back and ever rewatch that, but yikes. <laughs> yikes is right. Yeah, Jesse was fired up that day, everybody. That was a good one, though. I, uh, I've i had a really good time when we've had guests on, mm-hmm. um, kind of get people kind of here raw where we can just kind of go back and forth. And everyone that comes on is like, Oh, I'm nervous. I don't know if I'm going to have a lot to contribute. And then everyone always ends up saying they just get into it. They just get into the rhythm kind of like how we go. Star Wars was no exception. And this is taking it all the way back to return of the Jedi. We're at the Sarlacc. It's a CGI garbage fest, especially on blue right now because of the beak and the tentacles. <laughs> it fest. is. It looks bad. It's a technical term. In no, it, looks film like, theory. it looks like shit. Like <laughs> it, it doesn't. It's not going to age That's well. That's my favorite. That's the best. Man, I got to tell you real quick because I sent you the trailer for Nolan's new film Tenet. this week. Yeah, looks awesome. High concept James Bond in purgatory yeah. film. Yeah. Practical effects like. It, it, it just call it? I don't know. T E N E T. It just looks more authentic. Yeah. When you add all this additional uh, croutons on a shitty salad <laughs> already, like it's it's not it's not making it palatable. At least for for me as the viewer, I can see through this really clearly. More on that coming up. Croutons on the shitty salad. You're on fire. This <laughs> <very> <laughs> terrific. That is good. Did you just come up with that off the cuff? I did. That's terrific. Return of the Jedi, we're pretty hard on it. 
And even in our rankings in the following episode, it was pretty low on a lot of our lists. Uh, yeah, I don't look at that one very fondly anymore. I think the state of Star Wars, though, today is it's croutons on what seems to be a on promising the, salad. On the Mandalorian salad. <laughs> there may be 12 other salads coming, and I'm oh. sure some of those will have some spoiled lettuce or eggs. <laughs> it's a cop salad. <laughs> but um, croutons on a shitty salad is. That should be a ranking unto its own. There you go. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on something. I love we'll it. put that on a t-shirt one of these days. Right. <laughs> Just me with my thumbs up. <laughs> with the Sarlacc pit behind me. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker to this day is still our longest episode. It's about two hours and 12 minutes. We had a lot to say on that one, including this little nugget. Who's Janna supposed to be to Lando? What is, what's this revelation? In the books. Okay. <laughs> He, he talks to her, let's go find out who you are together, right? That's what he says in the movie? Yes. It comes across like a pickup line. Right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind, kind of, of, kind of, of over. Yeah. Kind of creepy. In the books, you find out that Lando had a child who was stolen at about two years old. Age-wise, she's about the same age of what she would be. I'm glad they found her before this final battle. Yes. <laughs> so I'm glad that Sith Wayfinder would just happen to be on that yes. planet she was Lando's on. Lando's daughter is there waiting for him with open arms. Gee, that's <laughs> fucking stupid. So now there's a, there's a third family in the mix, the Calrissians. That is <laughs> stupid. That's the dumbest of any of the things. Which you, you get the hint of that in the movie, but in the books, actually. Yeah, it's, I, it's I, I fear, comic book storytelling. I fear oh, the that hint. you need... Uh, extra materials in order to understand the story, which Star Wars is never has never been, and it shouldn't be. There should be that line between a comic book movie and Star Wars. We talked a lot about the extended, expansive universe that is Star Wars, which you just kind of said is they're really opening that up now. Thank God Nate was there for that episode. <clears throat> Nate's like the historian. He's a history major, so that's a pretty good thing for him. But yeah, we can always count on him for some Star Wars factoids, which is great. Listening to that, it's pretty good stuff there. Yeah. Isn't it? No, those are fun episodes. If you can tell, I was getting sick in that episode. His voice is getting raspy. A little raspy. But it was always fun doing, yeah, the, the Star Wars stuff, and I'm sure we're going to kind of come back to a lot of that because there's a lot left to, to discuss. But, Matt, I, uh, when we came to talking about Batman finally, mm. uh, I think you had a big problem with Superman, of all people. Those two guys squared off with each other would last more than one second. Superman would kick the hell out of Batman in a matter of that. <laughs> it is so stupid. And I don't care if you have bat armor and kryptonite bat canisters or your fucking utility belt and batarangs and all of your bat bullshit. You are fighting a god. It's, it's so stupid. Yeah. And people worship at the altar of the original comic, too. Yeah. And it's especially 70-year-old Batman, Jesse. Yeah. This guy's only 45. I guess he's got a chance. I literally think, yeah. I mean this, yeah. I would have a better chance of winning a fist fight with God. <laughs> I'm serious, because yeah. at least he's benevolent. Yeah. Then Batman has a beating Superman, and I'm just every moment that is so eye-rolling. The minute Superman gets pissed off, yeah. he's going to take Batman Snap and rip him in half. Yeah, that's all he has it's to do. over. Yeah. You thought Thanos was quick? Watch that fight. <laughs> it's true. It's it really true. There's such a suspension of disbelief with that whole thing. I want to ask you a question. Okay. We haven't ever addressed this. Oh, okay. The Frank Miller Batman stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Are you with everybody else? Because this is your guy. Yeah. Do you love that the I, way everybody else does? Well, I don't. I, I don't. I don't love Dark Knight Returns like what that's based on. But I like Year One because and they, they took a lot of Year One for Batman Begins, and there was the whole Aronofsky thing. But I think that one's really well done. It's it's noiry. It's it's he's still fresh. It's not any of what Dark Knight Returns is. And I don't like any of that, the Master Race and uh, Dark Knight, uh, the, the the third one that they did. Like, it, it gets worse and pretty stupid, actually. Are we about to go through this again on Christmas? <laughs> Watching Wonder Woman take on the Mighty Cheetah? Oh, I hope not. Right? That's kind of the same oh, goodness. power sets. Yeah. I'm fast. Yeah, so am I. And I'm a god. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Oh, we did a cool thing with, you know, Invisible Man, and we did the original, and then there was the the new one that came out, which was pretty good, but there was one in the middle there mm. that we discussed, and it was Hollow Man, and this is more just a reaction to a sound clip. He's just, he's just on, a, on, on a rampage, and there's, there's no reason for it other than we have to show him being angry at things, and then the, the one I mentioned earlier, he goes up to their apartment, and... If he was so pissed off, he like I know that that one got you a little bit. The whispers, <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> from first person POV. It still got you. It's so- <laughs> That is such bad dialogue. Motherfucker. <laughs> You're invisible. Kick down the door and stop it before it gets going. He's not even watching from inside. He's watching from like the the catwalk outside of the apartment. Just wa- And it's his POV of him watching Elizabeth Shue and Josh Brolin. Kevin Bacon's an interesting cat. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of movies I really like. <sighs> a lot of them. Yeah. Unfortunately, and this goes back to uh, the Verhoeven issue. Mm-hmm. That's not one, nor is it even close. There's a couple moments. Yeah. But that and taking, maybe it's casting. Sure. I buy Kevin Bacon as a bad guy. Oh, Um, of course. Kind of plays out a little bit in Flatliners, a little bit. Mm -hmm. What's that great prison movie with him and Brad Pitt where they're the young boys? um, Round, not rounders. Swing, not swingers. (laughs) What the fuck is that called? (laughs) Closers. It'll come to me in just a minute. Sleepers. There you go, sleepers. (laughs) That's a great film. Yeah. We might want to do that one day. Yeah, that would be good. That kind of prison, when we do our prison cast. I've only seen that once and it was a long time ago, so. Good bad guy in that. Yeah. Kevin Bacon whispering baddie outside the window. Is I know, it's it's pretty it, comedic. It was very comedic. <laughs> uh, one we did recently that you weren't a very big fan of, I think it gave it lowest rock cut, was Freddy to, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Living in the house, which okay, like the film's all over the place. Is, is this Poltergeist? Because the mm-hmm. house is haunted mm-hmm. by the glove and a lovebird, by the lovebird, and so this canary goes ape shit in the in the cage, flies around like crazy, clips Clue Gulliger on the on the cheek, and then just spontaneously combusts in midair, and then we get this. <laughs> we get this. What are you doing, Jesse? Help me move this thing. It isn't the gas. Don't tell me it's not the gas. Your mother thought she smelled gas. 
Well, Ken, I thought I did. I wasn't sure. All right, sure. so what is it? Any bird rabies? It's that cheap seed you've been buying. Oh, Gotta be, no, for sure. Be, gotta be a rational explanation. I mean, animals just don't explode into flames for no reason. Do they? That's right. Right. Well, it's sure not a leaky gas pipe. Oh. You all right? Oh, I'm sorry. You set this whole thing up, didn't you? What are you talking about? You know damn well what I'm talking about. Who'd you use? Firecrackers? You know what he did? He used a goddamn cherry bomb. Oh, stop. That's what he did? Look, you can't talk to me like that. Jesse, come back here. Jesse? Ken. Come back here, Jesse! Stop it, you're being ridiculous. Jesse! <laughs> you sure it wasn't an M80? Honey, if I've told you once, I've told you a hundred times, do not feed the bird gunpowder. We feed the bird bird seed. <laughs> Best line in the whole film. So for sure. It's that goddamn cheap seed you're buying. <laughs> All right, look. Okay, so so our level of terror is now a, a flightless, a spontaneously combusting bird? Like, this is a very cheap gag that... Is cheap. Is it... Scaring anybody? Does this scene scare anybody? Right, that's what I thought too. Man. It's a shame that Nightmare on Elm Street was reduced to that. We've seen bird seed do damage to people before mm-hmm. in the birds, mm-hmm. according to Jessica Tandy. <clears throat> Jessica Tandy. Oh, um, I, I have one thing yeah. to say. Mm-hmm. Recently, I revisited all of the Nightmare on Elm Streets from one to the remake. You were very hard on part two. You gave it rock gut. You said it was one of the worst things we'd ever reviewed on the show. You have no idea what you're in store for when we get to number five and six. Oh, my gosh. You want to go that far? Yeah, I do. (laughs) It's okay. You are in for buckle up. Terrible. Absolutely atrocious. I'm going to pray for a combustible bird. Excellent. But to take it back to Batman one more time, and we'll kind of mm-hmm. just the level that we're willing to sacrifice for the fans on this show. When we did our first like truly bad movie, which was DC Rock Cut, it was Batman and Robin, and we invented a new concoction. It was a peanut butter and jelly, nasty whiskey drink, <laughs> and um, we 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 had some fun with it. So here's this last one. So again, I guess you're back to what these two criminals are best suited for, which is a heist film. So. Ivy going through a bunch of like more nonsensical in unimportant moments. Like most of this movie is including Robin rescuing Barbara on the street bike race against some deadly gambling street bike club. I don't even know what that was where they're jumping over ramps and like skyscraper, just nonsense, no Mm -hmm. geography, no gravity, whatever. So that's going on, but it doesn't really matter because her superpower isn't to ride a motorcycle because yeah. that was Robin's and you because you know you saw how he entered the museum dude he blew a Robin hole in the wall <laughs> that's how good he is at it he can blow holes in the wall in the shape of a bird take that Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> so again we're just sort of spinning our wheels with nothing until Ivy decides to show up at Arkham is it Arkham yep Arkham which looks, looks cool. awesome yes yeah, it's a good Arkham okay fair yeah some praise for this. You do a good-looking arc. Do a good-looking something. That was a toast, but it's in plastic glasses. So you guys can't hear. Let me take a drink of my foot drink. Me too. Feet, yum. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly feet, yeah. yum. Let me chew this ice. <clears throat> <All right. laughs> that was disgusting. Were we a little drunk by the end of that episode? I don't know. I kept, I kept going back to it when I should have stopped because it was uh, really disgusting. Um, but I was like... It's helping me get through this talking about this movie, which is just as bad. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. In this retrospect, have you ever finished the show and been a little tipsy? 
many times. Me Pri- too. Primarily because I'm like, oh, I'm a little smaller than you. I'm about 5'10", about 160, 165. And then before you, before you, you bring breakfast now, which is very helpful. A godsend. A lot of times I would just, yeah, I'd come in here at 11 and then that. And then by like 12.30, 1 o'clock, I'd be like, oh, wow, I got like, to eat. And then I'd be, I'd be a little buzz, actually. I don't remember what episode it was, but I was listening and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you couldn't tell. We were loaded. Was it Avengers Endgame? Because I, I think that was like four pours of the bottle for that episode. Yeah. So, yeah, the breakfast has helped. <laughs> the breakfast is... Being a, lucid is important on the, this. Yeah, there there you go. Uh, all right, Issa. Purple feet, though, Jesse. That was so classic. Yeah, that was that was all you. You came up with that concoction. You named it. Uh, so that's it. Those are some of our best rants. A little trip down memory lane. But those are fun. A lot of fun, yeah, to go back and just kind of listen to those. See what we can come up with in the next 100 a lot of the times, a lot of those came out of the frustration of new movies, which we hope we got a lot of coming up here because we go into those blind. We mm-hmm. don't know what we're getting. Right. Serenity, <laughs> Glass, mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery, oh. a Terminator Dark Fade, Rise of Skywalker. But this is a movie and whiskey uh, podcast. This is how Matt and I started writing. As you know, we kind of, you know, pour a little bit. We do some writing and it's been integral into the naming and the theming of this show. And we've gone through i don't know i don't know we'd have to go back and count i didn't do that but a lot of bottles uh what are some that have stood out for for you we'll probably have some of the same ones okay i want to go one that we've done twice okay you introduced it i think pretty early on and then i believe i got a bottle around a year ago okay and we did it a short time after bib and tucker it's a solid solid bourbon yeah i wouldn't say it's the quintessential bourbon because I think what we're drinking is part of that label to me, Old Forster. I probably just stole another one of yours too. Mm-hmm. But that Bib and Tucker bottle is terrific. And the price point suits it. That's the thing. I mean, from I'd like to tell everybody that we're drinking Pappy. Yeah. But we're not. I mean, there's a limit. Like maybe a $100 bottle. Yeah. Maybe, right? Maybe. Pappy, not yet. There you go. We'll find it. Yet. <laughs> so for what it... Yeah, that's a good bottle. That's on my list too. And uh, what I liked about it is, you know, I kind of like that little kind of cork stopper that it has. And the, the bottle design's different than a lot of the other ones, but it's a good tasting bourbon at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind me taking the next one, when we did the John Wick cask, very fitting. We tackled New York. So we did the Hudson uh, baby bottle bourbon. And uh, that one I thought was really good. Uh, we might want to. Th- throw that one back into the rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, when I was kind of going back and looking at some of the pictures, I was like, yeah, that was, that was one of my favorites. So yeah, that one's going to make my list. Can I go another one? Mm-hmm. Blanton's. Mm-hmm. That's really memorable because of the horse. And yeah, we saved the stopper. We're going to collect the stoppers and spell out Blanton's. It's a lot of drinking. <laughs> That's going to take a while, but no, I'm with you. It's a unique bottle. It's a unique design. It's got the collecting element, but it, it's a good bourbon at the end of the day. That suited the Rocky films really well. I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. That's really a big part of it. But we've talked about this documentary before. It's called Neat. Mm-hmm. Amazon, Hulu, what is that? Both of them, I think. You guys have to watch Neat. Yeah, It's a really nice historical look at bourbon. And the gentleman that, at the time, was in charge of the distillery for Buffalo Trace gives a really nice take on what the drinking is. And without really thinking about it, we do that. Mm-hmm. It's not about pounding it down and getting loaded. That's a different time in both of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> it's the conversation. It really is, yeah. Around the excuse to drink. I, I've had to 
tell people or not teach them like like who am I to teach people about bourbon but whatever but That's like point, pretty knowledgeable well, yeah, you drank but, quite a few yeah but to tell people like you don't just like shoot bourbon no like this is like <sighs> pour it sit talk for an hour and a half about or three or three hours if it's in game or <laughs> in game or rise of skywalker and just enjoy the glass and enjoy each other's company it's not a it's not a party liquor there's a it's not hypnotic no, <laughs> <laughs> no it's definitely how funny oh man i yacked in my mouth a little bit Ugh. i think that bottle is special for me because i think of all the casks that we've done mm. that was my favorite cask that was a good one the rocky one yeah so it's emblazoned into my mind with some nostalgia and that's like important one more for me go yeah and see if it comes up it's recent um and i've you know, been asked a lot about this one, and if you can find it, it's hard to find, but it's the Weller Special Reserve. It's the green label. Maybe the best bottle thus far. Yes. Uh, yeah, if you can fi- if you get a hold of it, get it, buy it, buy multiple of it, you're going to love it. It was That was just such a great drink all around. I, I couldn't get enough of it. As much as the red was good, the green was the green not that much better, the but also really, the red is really good. Yeah. Weller's is good. Yeah. That's, we might, we, well, there's... About four other labels to try, so probably want to go back to that one a couple times. I think that's a great idea. Alrighty, so what about most surprising films that we've reviewed? Like, what's what's jumped out at you or kind of shocked you in a way that you were kind of thinking it was going to go one way, but it went this way? Uh, what do you think? Sorcerer. I didn't even have to think about that one. That was all you. <clears throat> I was familiar with The Wages of Sin. I'd never, actually, I'd never really endeavored to want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Kept talking about that film and that got into the Friedkin thing and the Roy Scheider bit. I sat on the couch, mm-hmm. white knuckling it at two and a half miles an hour for an hour and a half. Yeah. That is a masterpiece film. I never thought I would be so unknowledgeable about something that was so good. Well, just kind of, it was a film swept under the rug. I mean, I didn't know until I found it either, so. That's the most surprised I've been. There's other ones that's the most surprising. Okay. On the good way. Okay, good. Excellent. What's yours? I have a couple. Uh, and if yeah. you have some honorable mentions, by all means, throw them out. Yeah. E.T. Yep. I was ready to, like, shred it. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I was I was glad that it, it wasn't that, and I, I kind of found a new appreciation for it not praising it and putting it on the top pedestal of all films, but it was, I was like, well, this isn't as bad as I always thought it was. So I don't know where I went wrong with E.T. Maybe I just watched it too much as a kid, and then I just liked more Spielberg, but it is a well, well-made movie, and I think that's what uh, jumped out at me at the end of the day. Yeah, we both looked at each other and said, boy, we were going to shred this film, and we didn't. I think it got yeah, did, call plus from both. I think so. Call plus. Yep. I have another one. It actually was one of the ones from the sound you played earlier. Mm. I thought I loved all of the Nightmare series. And watching Nightmare 2 again, and it had been a long time. Yeah, uh, Obviously, that's a bad film. We just went over that. I was really surprised at how in my mind mm-hmm. that movie had occupied a space that it had no business occupying. That movie shit. <laughs> it is. Now, they're going to bounce back in a big way with a third one, but that we didn't watch the third one. We watched the second one, yeah. and that was shockingly bad i know really bad yeah lack of violence terrible protagonist exploding birds and like i said i I think you were too hard because it's it's, the other ones are a few tough pill to swallow so Mm. Uh, i got two more three more actually Mm -hmm. uh birds of prey yeah 
mean, DC, we did DC Rock Cut thinking, man, their track record probably going to be Rock Cut. And it wasn't. Oh, that was a fairly enjoyable movie. I think we both really liked it. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of see more movies like that from DC. This has to make both of our lists. I don't think any of us were prepared for what Serenity was. Yeah, no. And is. (laughs) All right. There's a place for me with film noir Mm -hmm. that I'm dying. That part of my soul that shakes his head. That same part of my soul is begging for a reimagining of a film noir that's profitable. As much as we love Brian De Palma, he Mm. had a huge stake in killing that off. Yeah. Right? With the Black Dahlia. Yeah. This did no favors to that same genre. If you're going to cast Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway and um, Stephen Clark. Jason Clark. Jason Clark. There you go. You mean Claude Rains? I was going to say the Claude Rains. Yeah. And it's a round and erotic-y kind of thriller, probably not to like basic instinct levels. Oh, but no. I mean, there's a reason you put McGonaghy and Anne Hathaway in a film, right? Sure, it's yeah. not because they're ugly. Yeah. And then to do that. <sighs> yeah. We weren't prepared. We weren't ready. So that's a bad one. Yeah. There's been some good ones though. Sure. Can I give you one more really yeah. good one? Yeah. The remake of The Invisible Man. Yes. Absolutely. I was really lukewarm on that Mm -hmm. the idea yeah because he's just not in the movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that thing came across terrific yeah that was a shock that it was so well done you kind of knew what it was going to be and that was really 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 well done delivered excellently and it did that you know what i didn't suspect and it did Mm. the paranormal activity argument that we have is what's seen is sometimes not yes. sometimes scarier than what is exactly the movie's not scary, but what is subtle and hidden in that film is where all of that movie works. And the good news is that's the entire bit with the bad guy. Yep. Right. Yeah, that, that was, that was a good one. What were you expecting when you went to see that as far as like rating grades? I don't know. Maybe just kind of call. Yeah. If it was, if it was done well, yeah. but yeah, I was very thoroughly surprised. I went to one of those movie theaters where you could drink beer. And I think I had about three or four beers when I was watching it. So I was really liking that movie, <laughs> but and I had to pee so bad, but I held it. Cause I wanted, I was like, I got to see what's, if it's going to twist and turn and had a lot of twists and turns along the way. But yeah, I bought it day. It came out for to own, like it's part of my collection now. So yeah, I'm excited to see. I mean, we've been, you, you've been hard, especially on like werewolves and the Wolfman. Yeah. But his remake of The Wolfman, Lee Wannell's going to handle it. I'm looking forward to that. Gosling. Yep. That'll be interesting. Could be great. Could be shitty. Could be shitty. What is your top-reviewed film that we've covered? Ever. Yeah. We've given out a lot of top-shelf ratings. There was a point earlier in this year, I think you gave out top-shelf for like six weeks in a row. Like, yeah. You were on fire. Uh, but do you have one that jumps to the, the head of the pack? <laughs> Well, this is cheating. Okay. But yes, I do. And only because I think of all of the films that are my all-time fivers, it's the only one we've done so far. Okay. Fair. Yeah. It's not Vertigo, but it's Unbreakable. That's my favorite film. That's what we kind of started with. There's a lot of nostalgia around a movie that already had a lot of importance to me anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. There's some other ones that are worth mentioning, but I'm going to have to go with that one. The one that started it all. The one that started it all. Yeah. Excellent. I love it. How about yours? I'm going to purposely take Halloween and Alien off the the table. But those would be them. 
those would probably be them. I would love to, and maybe this is part of, you know, the future, like a patron, whatever of Bryce smile, we could go back and redo alien because I'd like to like at least sound good. <laughs> yeah, boy, you were in bad shape. Oh, the worst shape. But Matt, we've covered a lot of you met vertigo whiplash, mm-hmm. the empire strikes back. Uh, let, let's see. Die hard. Rocky, Rebecca, Rebecca, the exorcist, the yeah. French connection. So we've covered a lot of really good films, but if there's one that jumps to the top of the pack that I think is the best review film we've covered back to the future. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that from you when this great la- movie, but this I'm- last time we watched it, I was just, this is like a perfectly scripted film. It's perfectly paced. It's exciting. The characters are interesting. I mean, it, it checks every box that you need in a film. It's like, and just the ending alone is it's enough to tease without kind of needing to see a sequel. And that clock tower top five sequences of all time. That's brilliant. Good choice. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That one's grown on me over the, probably the last 10 years. I didn't grow up with that movie as a, as a, as a kid, but as I kind of found it in, in high school and then kind of keep coming back to it, it gets better each time. Just so everybody knows this is not rhetorical. Jesse does have an amazing Michael J. Fox Christmas tree ornament. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Right now, yeah. hanging on his tree that has sound to it. The the one li- Marty McFly is killer on your tree. The one line I wish it had was, "Hey, Dad, George, you on the bike?" <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have that line, but a lot of other great lines. Last question before we wrap up for the day: What has been your favorite episode covered thus far? I have two. Okay. Um, do you want me to do? Yeah, go ahead. Both at the same time? Yeah. Okay, the first one is actually E.T. And it's not because it was such a great performance or we had such a great discussion. Like you said, it was surprising. But I never thought in my life that there would be thousands of people listening to me and you and my daughter talk about a movie. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, to me, that's beyond awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be... 1A and the other like 1AA mm-hmm. is Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, you That movie. You had a moment. Film. <laughs> yeah. Film for me is as woven into my daily machinations as breathing and getting dressed. Of course. There's not a moment that goes by that I don't think about it. That's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but they're not. I'm, I'm with you in that regard. My motto, five new movies a week yeah, that I haven't seen. That's sweet. You just got to keep watching all the time. Right. Yeah. It's healthy. It's fun. It's it's good for content and it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. There's fewer things in life for me than a really good dinner and a really good movie. Yep. It's just a perfect night. Yep. I actually didn't know that Rocky Balboa, the film and the character, mm-hmm were as important to me as they were until we really dove into that podcast. Yeah. That cask. Yeah. And man, that brought up so much stuff about yeah. dads and Yeah. And by the time we finished Rocky Balboa, yeah. I was a mess. Well, I think it was all I could do to keep from like shorting out this mic. Cause I I mean, <laughs> I was close to really losing it. Well, you know what I think did that was because we covered it from the first one. Yeah. And we did one at a time and we worked our way up to that moment. And that's what watching that series is like. It's such a journey that you take with that character. And I think that sixth film totally pays off. And it, and it keeps getting better in the next ones in Creed. 
Yeah, it just that's continues. coming too. Yeah. We need a third installment for to finish the and cast. We'll do that. There you go. But that's coming. So those are my two. Great. I love it. Thank you. Let me, I'm dying to hear yours. Well, Matt, like I, I share your same motto. I want that on my tombstone. It, movies are just infinitely important to me. It's why we do this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's why we pursue what we pursue. It's why there's just movie stuff all over this house. Uh, but the thing I think I enjoy more is showing movies to people. And especially movies that people haven't seen before. And I think I like watching people's reaction than I do watching the film with them. Sure. It happened two times. The first one was Wreck. And that was probably the first time I think you uh, came over to watch before we cut. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of kind of became the staple for Saturdays yeah. uh, during this uh, pandemic. And then the second time was Sorcerer. I was, I'd been talking about that movie for years uh, with you, and I was just like, I can't wait to show this to him because I, I know he's going to like it, and I hope he doesn't like it because like, that, that'll just be really hard to talk through. But I was, I was glad both of those two were winners for you, and it was just fun to, like watching you react to how it was taking place because it's, it's how you should react to those movies. You were scared. You were on the edge of your seat, but you ended up liking them at the end of the day, and I think I added two films to your repertoire that you now have in your <laughs> In your in your um, arsenal, and thank you for that. Yeah, two things about that. You had told me a lot about Sorcerer, and it's so slow and it's so intense. I'm like, yeah, I've seen a lot of film. Mm-hmm. It, it went above, beyond the pale for what you said. Mm-hmm. The other thing you spoke a lot about was the end of Wreck. Yeah, and I figured, okay, it's going to be some devouring, and where that goes to some supernatural, cultish, satanic, whatever the hell that is yeah. in the attic. Mm-hmm is as troubling in a scary or horrifying way as some moments in hereditary were not quite that level, Mm -hmm. but it's close. Yeah. The end of that movie. And it's not an easy ride to get there. Yeah. So I want to, so yeah, thank you for both those. Yeah. That's yeah. Those, those are great choices and clearly they worked. You, they came through in spades. I also want to highlight, and I didn't want to pick any of these specifically to not say like, oh, we liked talking with these people more, but I absolutely love, have loved every episode that we've had a guest on, every single one of them, to just bring someone in here, and whether they watched the movie with us before or we just come in here and we just start talking about it, every single one of those has been an absolute joy, and I can't wait to do more of those coming up here in the future. Not too distant future. Yeah. So I'm going to give you something that we didn't talk about that I'm just going to have you go right now. What in the legacy or retrospect that's Rice Smile Films is our most important episode? Probably, and this is interesting because I've been listening to a lot of the older episodes to prepare for this and to kind of have stuff to call back to. When we did Terminator, uh, you know, before, if you go back and listen to every episode pre-Terminator, before we kind of take a deep dive, we would go into a long, drawn-out synopsis of the film and really kind of, you know, get into in the weeds with what the film is. And, you know, if you're listening to it, most times you've already seen the movie. So we didn't really feel the need to like totally rehash the plot to you just right away. And instead, I kind of came to you and said, what if we just use the the film as a blueprint? We'll start at the beginning and then just talk, talk our way through it. Whatever, and then the scenes will bring up the talking points. So Terminator brought up talking about Sarah Connor as a character and the the time travel as a mechanism and talking about James Cameron and it's a slasher film and like it just brought a more natural flow to the film than just kind of 
talking about it right, like right away. You know what I mean? The other one was so structured and so formulaic, A, B, C, D, and then weigh in, weigh in, weigh in. And now we stopped caring about A, B, C, and D, and it was just a general state of stuff. Yeah. And that decision that you made that day was so liberating. And you know what else it was? Yeah. I think it was really freeing for you because you would go through prior to that episode and have pages of notes that you needed to cover this, 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 because we, for some silly reason, yeah, thought it was important for us to explain beat by beat the film to the people instead of talking about the film. Mm-hmm. And two things happened with that change. Like I said, it, number one, it was freeing. Yep. Number two, I think it highlighted stuff that incentivized or encouraged people to see the movie on their own. Because if we spell it out A, B, C, D, then you've already seen the film on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. I have a lot of people tell me I hadn't seen that until I heard your podcast. I hear that a lot with The Mist. Mm -hmm. The Mist is like, oh my God, I hadn't seen that tilt, right? And I hear that all the time with The Mist. And when we made that decision, well, we, you made that decision and we went that, it was so much more freeing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, from that point, Mm -hmm. most of what you hear on the air, like we both do some preliminary research. Mm -hmm but the riffs or the rants or the playing off of each other just occurs organically in the moment. It's just the momentum of the discussion. And that I think is really remarkable that we, it takes us down some interesting discussions sometimes. There was one rabbit hole where like we ended up, I talked about the state of action films, modern action films in the middle of the predator episode for probably about 15 minutes. It was just like a soapbox. That stuff's great though. Uh, Yeah. It's just a lot of fun to kind of get lost in the weeds with that and Mm -hmm. less about the plot of the movie. You've seen predator. Like we don't need to kind of get into that with you. Uh, The other one that, that really helped out. So like prior to vertigo, the sound was done after the fact. Yeah. And it was kind of spliced in, in between to break up just audio breaks, going to the bathroom, things like that. Now in the sound, the sound is almost a jumping off point for us. We get to play off of the sound. And I've had people tell me they like when we when we talk over the sound and kind of give little kind of anecdotes while we're listening to it. Or in some cases, laugh like tonight. Yeah, exactly. Or like that. So the soundboard and being able to have the sound ready and then just kind of we just cue it off keeps us on track. But then it's also talking points, which is I love it. Isn't it funny how with the sound too, a lot of times the conversation just naturally moves to where you're going to go anyway. Yeah. I'll bring up something like, Oh, and that's the perfect lead in and bam, we end up there. That happens every week. That's kismet. (laughs) Indeed. Serendipity, not serenity, not serenity. Seriously. Everyone needs to check that out. It's watch it on prime. You got to figure out what we're talking about. But man, I think at the end of the day, looking at all those clips, reflecting on bottles, talking about best episodes and this and that, I think it's been a lot of fun thus far. And I think we're very excited to, Jump headfirst into 2021, see what film's going to look like in there. It's going to look interesting, but we're going to have a lot of new stuff. We're going to cover some more franchises, some more old films. We did our top three most, uh, what we want to talk about. We'll do a lot more viewer requested. We'll probably take it to Instagram and have you choose some episodes for us. And yeah, just kind of keep churning along. Yeah. I feel like we've teased out big things coming and some of that got derailed just because the movies didn't come that would go with that no movies came yeah like we this from invisible man was the last new movie we talked about from that point until christmas Mm -hmm. there hasn't been a single there's been movies that have come out but none like worth building a cask around and really taking a deep dive into but that's all gonna change and i think it'll kind of change the trajectory of the show with kind of putting the focus on the lead up to a film like we used to do yeah the lead up to a new release so i'm looking forward to that you and i both yeah 
Big things coming in 2021. Yeah. In the next 102. Exactly. One thing we will never run out of. We will never run out of films to talk about and bourbon to drink. They're in plentiful supply. God, if that's the way I go out, Godspeed to everyone and me. (laughs) Cheers to you, Matt. Cheers, brother. And we'll see you in the next 100. Take care, everybody.